On today's episode, I'm speaking with Courtney Shaw. This is an episode I'm actually really excited about because Courtney and I are going to be talking about how to get inside the heads of your audience so you can create an offer that's guaranteed to sell. Courtney is the creator of Yay for 100K, where she's taught over 300 entrepreneurs how to make a full-time income from their one-to-one services and teaches them how to turn their services into a course. So she definitely knows what she's talking about. Hi, I'm Isabel Kateman, and I own Stripe Dog Creative. We build beautiful brands and highly strategic websites for six-figure online service providers and course creators looking to reach seven figures and beyond. I'm excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast, where we let go of the bullshit and deliver valuable information quickly. From practical marketing strategy to self-care for CEOs, tune in each week to go deep on one specific topic and get actionable advice you can use to grow your business even further. Let's jump in. Courtney, I'm so excited that you're here today. I am thrilled to be here. (laughs) So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and who you serve? Yeah. So ironically, I've been really struggling with this this question lately because I feel like sometimes the longer you've been in business, the more things have happened and the more things that change that then you like, maybe you don't take the time to like rethink how to explain what you do. It used to be so simple when I just did sales pages. So I'm a business coach. I started as a copywriter and I specialized in sales pages. And over the years, what I realized is I had a real passion for more of the strategy side. I love language and writing and all of that. And, I, and like that will come through in today's episode, I'm sure. But I re- what I really love is like high level, big picture strategy, mindset, stuff like that. So what I do these days is we run a program called EA for 100K, which I know you're very familiar with. And in that program, I teach service-based entrepreneurs how to really get like the one-two punch of having a streamlined signature service that's booking out and then turn that into your course and having this two-part business model. And that's the business model that I think for a lot of people, I will never say everyone, I do not believe in one size fits all, but I believe for a lot of people, it's a really great business model to focus on to get your business to past six figures. So yeah, that's what we do. I thought that was very polished. I like that. Thanks. I just made it up. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, it sounded great. So obviously as me being in yay for hundred K being very familiar with the program, one of the things that you talk about is how to really first, how, and also why you really need to understand your audience before you either go to create a service or go to create a course. So I'd really sort of love to deep dive into that today and get your thoughts around why that's so important, especially as you're starting to scale your business and hitting six figures and even beyond. So I think first just start sort of talking about like how you even go about identifying who your audience is, whether you're creating a new service or a new course. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's like this catch 22 chicken or egg thing. It can be a struggle. And also everyone comes at this with a different understanding of who they want to work with. And there's kind of a spectrum of where people can be on that. Some people come to this very specific already of, oh, I'm a sales page copywriter and I help people write sales pages to launch courses. So I just need to find more people doing that. Now, if somebody is already coming to the table with that kind of understanding of what they do, 
I can tell that that person is already validated that there is a market of people who want this thing, right? Because otherwise, how in the world, nobody grows up being like, one day, mommy, I want to write sales pages for online courses. Like, that wasn't even a thing, even when I graduated college. Like, I didn't know what that was. So there's sort of this part of like, has your experience been in already in working with people who already are paying for a problem they want solved? Or has your experience been more in like, what do I want to do? And a lot of us have a combination of both. This is the spectrum, right? Is we all have a combination of both of these things and they're both important. And it's sort of this dance between what is it the work that I really want to do? What's my specialty, et cetera. And then what is there a market for? Like, what do a group of people actually want to spend money on? Because it is a very, I hate the term like agitated pain point. Like I really don't want to say that language, but it's just something that they're just absolutely like, I need to spend money on this thing. And so how do you identify that audience? I think is getting really specific about who you want to help in the first place. And the starting place is really hard because It's like, okay, well, if I don't know who I want to help, how do I identify them? How do I find them? When people are caught in that trap, I think it's because they're really caught in the, I really want to do X. Like I really want to coach people on anxiety or I really want to work with people on being happy or like it's, it's often these like very nebulous things that we want to do. And so while that's all wonderful, and that's also where I entered this whole entrepreneurship space, it's really, really hard to find an audience starting with something that big. So what I think to do is like to get even more narrowed in on like, if you can narrow in a little bit more on what your skill set is, or, you know, you're doing like web design, you even got more specific on like, you're really great at the strategy side of that. So that's great because there's so many web designers. So, and it's not about differentiating from the competition even. It's about like within web design, that's a big thing. So like when somebody's coming for a website, they have different desires or different problems or different angle on what they want solved. And so you want to find the people that you're the best match for so that other web designers can work with people they're the best match for. And so I think that's, it's narrowing in on what you do and also narrowing in on who you want to work with. And that always means you need to know actual human beings (laughs) who want the thing that you want to do. And so you're kind of playing both sides of this chess game and trying to match these things together And I think that's why it's so hard is it's not a linear process. So whichever side of it you're on, most likely for people listening is the, I want to do this. How do I find people is, can you narrow in a little bit more on that? Can you name some people, you know, who might be interested in that? And then can we go talk to those people and then hear what they have to say, let them like kind of make the next chess move forward. And then you can kind of adjust accordingly and then like verify if that's it. And then eventually you hit the thing that works for both of you in your, you know, Venn diagram, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that. So you actually perfectly segued into my next question. So once you've sort of identified real human beings, you've sort of found this nice middle point of like, this is what I think I want to do, but here is the audience that I'm trying to serve and let me talk to real people. Once you've found those real people, what are your top suggestions for sort of approaching them and getting them to tell you in a way that's going to be helpful for you, that's actually going to allow you to craft an offer? Yeah, this is a huge thing that comes up for people. And I think this comes up for two reasons. Number one, it's like how, like the mechanics, how do I actually do it? What are the steps I take? What are the actions I take? That's 
a thing I want to answer. And then on the other side of it, I think needs to be addressed is that we find, and not only in Yay for NRK, but in Yay for Clients, that you know, I launched in 2016. So it's been around for six years. I've been doing this exact work and teaching this exact thing. I've seen hundreds of entrepreneurs go through this process and many, 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 even a majority get stuck at this part. Not because they don't have the mechanics of, hey, do this. Sometimes there's that and refining that. But it's where you actually have to get out of your head and start interacting with people. And that means that all these fears and discomforts come up because there's almost this fear that like, oh my God, what if the people that I want to work with don't need what I want to create? Or what if it's almost like this, almost like in the realm of like a fear of rejection of like, what if I'm not qualified enough to help them or something? So we like don't want to find out that whatever our greatest fears are true about ourselves. So we avoid doing what we call market research, which is a really like boring term, but we avoid like engaging with our audience to figure out what they want because we're afraid of finding out the answer, I think. So that piece needs to be acknowledged. And I don't think you have to get rid of that fear. I think just by acknowledging that it's there, you can move forward feeling it and just knowing like, hey, I'm going to be uncomfortable in this process because I have this idea of what I want to do. And I don't want anyone to tell me not to do it. (laughs) And I had that for sure. So that's the first part. The second part is, okay, what do you actually do? So there's a few strategies I recommend. Number one is identifying what I have always called your muses. And that's those real actual people who you think would be a great fit for whatever it is that you think you want to do. (laughs) I'm trying to be specific with my language, but it's starting to get a bit vague and conceptual. So I hope it's not getting confusing. So you want to identify actual people. And I say minimum three, because if you don't know at least three people, it's just not enough to get any kind of answers or feedback. So you get those people, you're going to have to know way more than that, by the way, but you want to start with at least three. So you can kind of think about them and what you think would be the best fit for them. And then what we really want to do is we want to engage with people like them, as many people as we know who might fit into that category. And when I say engage, I mean like ask them questions, interview them, send surveys, you know, take them out to lunch if they're your friends, like talk to them in an open-ended way about what they want and what their language is about what their struggles are and what their goals are and what they think they need to do to hit those goals. It's not about validating the thing you want to do, which again, that fear comes up. Like, I don't want people to tell me not to do that. Well, we're kind of putting the thing we want to do aside when we talk to people. We literally just want to purely go in and listen to them without tainting it with our preconceived notion of what we want to launch and the service we want to create or the course we want, whatever the offer is, right? And just hear, hey, you know, if you're working with a business owner, right? Like when I was doing this for Yay for 100K, I asked, I think I got on calls with like 10 or 12 different people. And I was like, you know, hey, what's going on in your business right now? It's like the most open-ended question ever. But I'm like, I just want to see what comes up because I don't want to lead them into, oh, are you trying to get more clients? (laughs) Because then they're going to be like, yeah, I guess I am. But if that wasn't what they were already thinking, then I'm already 
tainting the research. And so I'm going to leave that interview going, oh, yeah, I validated that people want to get more clients. But I asked a leading question and they were like, yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't the thing that was like top of mind for them necessarily. And so we really want to dig into those. Now, how to ask questions, what questions to ask, how to ask follow-up questions is definitely an art and a science. I think it just requires a lot of curiosity, having a good starting base of questions and then being willing to kind of go with the flow. And then the other piece I want to say here is that this isn't something you do once and you're like, okay, I did my market research and now I create my service and then it's done or I create my offer and then it's done. It's nonstop. It's like, you know, I was talking about this on the coaching call last week. It's every day. It's every time you interact with someone on Instagram, they're giving you language that they're using and you just always need to be paying attention to all of that. It's just that we have to do it really intentionally in the beginning to start. Yeah. And why explain why that's so important. Like why couldn't somebody just jump in and create a service? Like, you know, you talked about this being an ongoing thing. So just to sort of play devil's advocate here, why not sort of just be like, this is what I want to create. So I'm just going to jump in and create it. And like, as people start to book it, or as I start to, you know, do consultation calls and get feedback and maybe people aren't booking it, then I just tweak it as I go. Yeah. So I love this because I'm a human, right? So I'm fallible, but I try really hard to remain neutral about as many things as possible. I love this sort of concept from stoicism. It's just like everything is neutral. And I'm all about just looking at the pros and cons or like the, you know, benefits and consequences of any given thing. And so when we talk about like, okay, what if I just have this thing I really want to do? And like, well, I understand what you're saying, Courtney. I just have this thing I want to do and I want to go out there and try it. What I want you to know is like, I would have done the same thing because I have what's called oppositional defiant disorder. And if you tell me what to do, I just almost certain that I'm going to go do the opposite. So I'm not even saying that it's bad if you do. I just want to sort of walk you through what might happen so that you can do that with a more educated understanding of that and not like this unrealistic expectation of what's going to happen and then beat yourself up because it doesn't work the way you thought, even though you had like this expectation not based on any prior experience, right? So it's just, it's like unfair to yourself, right? When you just create something and launch it without validating that not only there are people out there that want it, but you know, people who want it and you're like building relationships with those people is that you're going to create a thing. And then even if people need that thing, they're not going to buy it because they're not going to get that they need it. They're not going to be convinced they need to spend money on it. And so you kind of are coming from your point of view of, I see that they need this thing but you haven't listened to their point of view on what they think they need. And so it's like, if you go to the doctor and you have insomnia, okay, let's say you have insomnia and you go to the doctor because you're like, I've had insomnia for weeks and I need help with this. And like, I just need to sleep and I'm like so stressed out, da, da, da. And the doctor starts like saying that you need, I'm I'm like, this metaphor is going to break down really fast because it's... (laughs) trying to make this up says that you need like to exercise they'll say this right you need to exercise and that will help you with your sleep and you know this is coming from very recent personal experience so you have insomnia you don't have to go to the doctor you google it and you find these articles being like well work on your sleep hygiene and exercise and you're sitting there at 3 a.m not being able to sleep for maybe two three hours or something and you're like you honestly want to curse the person who wrote this article right because 
they might be an expert who has understanding that, hey, when somebody has all these habits in place, like it does help with insomnia, you don't feel heard because you're like, you know what? I try not to look at my phone before I go to bed. I try to exercise. I'm trying to do all these things, but like, I just need to sleep. All I want you to do is help me sleep right now. And so when you're telling me I need to do something that a, like I can't implement right now and B, I'm not seeing the connection to like that and solving this problem and C, I'm not feeling heard. I don't feel like you get my problem. That's what's going to happen when we prescribe solutions to people, a for problems that they can't see that it's connected, that it's the solution to the problem, but B, and most importantly to problems they don't even know they have. Okay. So if you think that somebody needs mindset work, okay, this was me again, when I wanted to, I love doing mindset coaching and just coaching in general, people will say, yeah, mindset's important, right? We all know mindset's important, but if you just try to sell people on like, I'm going to be a mindset coach for you and help you with your mindset, you're going to have a really hard time getting clients. And the reason is, is even though people will say mindset's important. And if you ask them like, yeah, mindset's important. And then you ask them the like most recent things they you know invested in their business or the things that they've spent the most money on investing in their business. I can almost guarantee you it's not someone who's just like, I'm a mindset coach. I'm going to help you with your mindset. <laughs> it has to be more specific than that because I need to see the mindset stuff that you're doing is attached to this very specific outcome I want to achieve or this problem I want to solve. And so that's the connection that we need to make. And if you don't do that, what's going to happen is you're going to launch a thing that's probably great work and a great service or a great offer, but you're going to have a really hard time getting clients. And you're going to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to buy from you and work with you. So what the surveying does is it just builds up momentum so that when you do create a thing, there's already people that are ready to pay you for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a lot less about sort of tweaking the overall offer that you want to deliver and a lot more around just getting enough research and enough language for sort of like convincing your audience that they actually need the offer that you're trying to sell them. That's a great point. And I think like tweaking the offer, it definitely will. So when we figure out, you know, what's the problem people have, what's the outcome that they want, and we design an offer to get them there. Obviously, we need to make sure that we're designing an offer that is getting there in the most efficient way possible, that really leverages the way that you work best. So, you know, I love like speaking and coaching and all that. So for me to do my best work, I'm best like being on calls with people. Some people are the total opposite of that. So if I'm doing something that is not leveraging my strengths, it's also not to my client's best interest because they're not going to get my best work. So we want to design a service that is getting them there. So in this, you will end up tweaking your offers. most certainly, but that's almost like the least important part of it. The positioning is so much more important. I think people get so wrapped up in like how many calls are included and how many hours they're spending working on stuff and like the, all the bells and whistles. And at the end of the day, that stuff matters, but it matters so much less than you think. And the way that you position why people even need that in the first place is everything. It's absolutely everything. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so when you're talking to people and, you know, people obviously have a lot of different opinions and everyone is completely different. So what are your tips for sort of taking the information that's actually going to help you position that offer and talk to those people and sort of getting rid of the other information? So like, you know, for example, if somebody mentions like, I only pay $500 for this, obviously price is so subjective. So like, are there certain things that you recommend either like not asking about or sort of like not necessarily listening to if those come up in a conversation with somebody? This is such a good question. I'm so glad you're asking this. 
So absolutely. When we're serving, again, we're looking for what is their core problem, frustration? What's the thing that they want? What are they trying to achieve? What's like the, you know, the flip side of the problem? Like if they don't have the problem, what do they want instead? We're not trying to create a vacuum. Like we get rid of the problem and then we just have like a not problem. We want what is the, like the, the thing that they're actually adding into the situation. And so that's what we want to be asking questions about. We are not asking questions about packaging, pricing, how they want to work with you. We are not doing that almost at all. Like really, I would say at all. And if you're like really uncomfortable with that, I might give you like a question or two, never about pricing. Never, ever, ever ask a question about pricing. I can explain why. The reason in general for not asking questions about like the actual container, the thing, the package that you're creating is that you are the expert. Okay. So that goes back to, we need to design an offer. You're a business owner, right? We need to design an offer that makes sense for your business. That is going to help you achieve your business goals that you are able to achieve whatever that maybe your financial goal is for your business with that offer. And what I really mean by that, we have this client capacity calculator that I created for people to like get an aha about this because I realized so few service providers actually calculate if they even have the capacity to serve enough clients at their pricing to hit their revenue goal. And most often, like a vast, vast, vast majority of the time, it's not even close. Like you'd have to take on such an unreasonable amount of clients that you literally would be working like 40 hours a week just on client work. And for us, like our rule of thumb is no more than 50% of your work hours should be spent on actual client work because you have so many other things to do as a business owner than, you know, quote unquote billable hours. So we're not asking questions about the packaging. I know that when you're a newer entrepreneur, it feels like it's common sense that people are buying the thing. So we need to ask them if they want the thing. The problem is that's actually not what they're buying. They're buying the result. They're buying getting rid of the problem, right? So we, as the expert are the ones that need to prescribe what the solution is to that problem. We're not asking them for the solution. Your clients aren't designing your package. Your clients are telling you what their problem is, what they want. Then you're the expert. You're deciding here's what, how I believe as the expert would be the best way to solve this problem. And then you are designing that package. Because if you start asking your clients those things, you're going to get yourself into an impossible situation of people wanting to pay as little as possible for the most amount of bells and whistles without having to get on any calls or doing it. I mean, like, it just doesn't even matter at the end of the day. And I want to anchor this by saying, and I'll use myself as an example, and there's so many other dozens and dozens of other entrepreneurs I know who have had this as well, is when we launched Yay 400K, which is a multiple thousand dollar program. I just, I did not intentionally ask people if they wanted to be in a 12 month program. I knew I was designing a 12 month program. Once I figured out what the core problem was and what the result was, I knew it needed to be 12 months because I'm the expert and there's a reason why. And when that's an objection for people, when they say, Hey, I'm just like, not sure about 12 month commitment, then I'm able to explain my reasoning as the doctor, as the expert, whatever, like I'm not saying I'm a doctor, but as the metaphorical doctor, that, hey, this is why I'm prescribing a 12-month program 
And this is why it's in your benefit. I'm able to say that from that place to not just reactively create things based on what my clients are asking for. So again, we're asking about what is your problem? What are your symptoms? What's the result we want? And then you are the expert who designs the package. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And just sort of using their language to really attract them to it. But you're sort of putting together the packaging, the timing, the pricing, everything that you're sort of the expert on. And we'll definitely link to that client capacity calculator in the show notes as well. And so on the flip side here, you know, as people are launching either a course or a service, even if they already have one, they're doing a second or a third or a fourth, it can be sort of intimidating to get started because obviously you don't want it to be rejected or you don't want your launch to not go well. So when you're working with people, how do you find the balance between doing this market research and getting enough information to really put the right offer together, but not just doing it for six months or a year or forever? Like at some point you have to sort of like launch and start. So how do you know when you have enough information? Yeah. Right. Like then it's like, oh my God, when is it enough? And then we can get perfectionistic about that. And like, get in a comfort zone about that, right? Because then we're scared to launch the thing, right? So what I would say is once we have any kind of clarity from a reasonable sample size, being like, you know, 10-ish people, three to 10 people, I don't know, like there isn't like, it's not a perfect standard. And obviously like the more, the better, but like, if you're really just starting like three, let's find three people. And for me, like when I started as copywriter, I did three beta projects for three different types of test clients because I was just trying to figure out my way. I was trying to figure out who, what kind of people I wanted to work with. So I wrote website copy for three very different types of clients. And that's how I got started. It gave me more information. I figured out one of those clients out of the three, like that's the kind of person I wanted to work with, service provider, you know, et cetera. The other two, one was like had an Etsy shop. The other one was a coffee shop owner. I was like, those businesses do not understand the value of what I do. They were difficult to work with. They were lovely people, but it just didn't make sense. So then that gave me more information. So to me, it's like, once we have enough to go, oh, hey, here's a problem. Let's try something. Then I don't want you to spend weeks and months designing this beautiful service with these like perfectly designed like PDFs and stuff. I want you to throw something together and offer it to someone. You know, we need to get momentum. We need to keep moving forward because when you create that, we get more information. Let's say you survey three people and you go, okay, I think I can kind of see what's going on here. This is what I want to try out. And you try it out and nobody pays you for it. Well, there we got more information. So you could have created more survey and gotten more survey results, or you can test something and put it out there and see people take it. Either way, you're getting information. It doesn't really matter. Honestly, they both are going to lead to the same endpoint. It's just that I would prefer that people act more quickly and are willing to be a little bit more scrappy because there's this tendency, especially among women entrepreneurs to overly perfectionistic about our services. And it can kind of be this excuse to not putting things out there. So I would err on the side of acting fast. Like one of my life mottos is like ready, fire, aim. (laughs) It's like, just go and figure it out later. But just know that like, you are going to constantly have to be paying attention to the information coming to you. And if you put together that service and people don't buy it. Okay. Now we've got more data to look at. Okay. That was a survey in and of itself. That was engaging with your audience. So we can figure out like what didn't work, what worked. And, you know, it might not be something that you're able to do by yourself. You know, this might be something that you do need to work with a coach or someone to help you sort through this because it is tricky. And it's something that I really try to work with our clients on over the year, because it takes time to sort of help train, like retrain everyone and sort of how to look at things. Like when things don't go your way, 
you got information that you needed, right? You learned a lesson from it. We need to apply that. And so we're always looking at data over drama. Like, what did we learn from this? And how can we apply that to the next time? So yeah, I guess like there's no magic answer, but I would err on the side of, like I said, if you are like, I don't want to survey people and I just want to throw something out there. Great. Do it. Just know that it's a high likely chance. It's not going to take off. And so that was your survey. And like, now let's work with that and see what's going on. But don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work on the first shot, because 90% chance it won't. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And I think too, part of just being a business owner and growing is like learning not to take things personally. Like I think it's one of the hardest things, especially for women, but it's like, you just have to sort of separate yourself from the business just because something didn't work. Doesn't mean that like you're not worthy or like you fucked up. It just means that like it didn't work for the particular audience you're going for. I love to try to view everything as just a, like a science experiment. And like you've noticed, I I'm like slowly starting to use more scientific language. Like I'll say like, okay, this is our hypothesis. Like our hypothesis is that this is the problem that people have. So let's get, let's design an experiment, i.e. a survey or, you know, interviewing, right? And let's interview people and let's see. Okay. Now our hypothesis is based on those results that this package is what would help them to get a result. Let's test it. Like we have to test things out in the real world. And I think, you know, I was raised by scientists. My grandparents met at Columbia University, which is wild because my grandma, like my grandma grew up in New York City in the Bronx, Italian immigrant, graduated high school when she was 16, went to Columbia to get her PhD in organic chemistry, met my grandfather who like decided not to go to Harvard because he wanted to live in New York. And like, they're just, so like, I grew up with this language around me all the time of just everything is a debate. Everything is science. And I think that's really served me in this because scientists can't get attached to their hypothesis. Like if you get attached to a hypothesis, it's fundamentally skewing your research. And it's something you really like when you, are a scientist, when you learn anything about statistical analysis, I mean, we see this going on with the pandemic, right? Is like, it's really easy to lie with statistics. It's really easy to take data and skew it the way that to tell the story you want to tell it. And so if you already have this thing that you want to prove is true, and you're going out to do that with your survey or whatever, then you're going to see what you want to see. You're going to have that confirmation bias. We want to try as we're humans. It's never going to be perfect, but we want to try as best as we can to be really detached from that. And so, like you said, yeah, trying to not take it personally, because it's not, it's not, I've never worked with someone who I was like, Oh, there's no hope for you. Like there's nothing you can do that. It's like, sometimes people will give up and I try to help them not. It's rare. I don't want to be like, I think that's what happens more than anything is people kind of give up because they're telling themselves a story that they failed, but really they've just gotten a result that they didn't want. And they didn't know how to analyze that result to then take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I think this is so helpful. And so as we wrap up the episode, I love to ask every guest, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice when you were first starting your business, what do you wish that you had known? Oh my God. Just like, I wish I just like didn't stress so much. Like, I think, you know what? I'm so glad you asked this right now because literally this morning I was talking to my mom and she's reading Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. And she was telling me, she was reading the chapter about stress and overwhelm and the link between them and saying how, and of course, like she was paraphrasing Brene Brown and I'm going to paraphrase the paraphrasing, but she said something to the effect of like, where like most stress comes from is our thoughts about 
if we're able to handle the stress, not the stressor itself. So let's say the stressor is, oh my God, I created this service and I I don't have a client yet. I put it out there, I don't have a client yet. That in and of itself actually isn't that stressful. What's become stressful is, oh my God, I don't think I can handle this. I don't think I know how to do this. It's like, if that's what creates all of our stress and overwhelm. So I feel like that, if anything, that is a piece of advice. I feel like I would give myself, you can handle all of it. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but you will make it a lot harder if you overly think about how ill-equipped you are to handle it. (laughs) So you'll figure it out. I think would be how I'd sum it up. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And Brene Brown is amazing. Always. Yeah. Love her. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much for being here. It's always so much fun talking to you. And I feel like you always just have such good advice and your metaphors are always just like on point, even when you come up with them, like right on the fly, I feel like they're always like, wow, that's such a like good metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Well, as our mutual friend, Brio would say, like, it's part of my human design. I have the, I think it's the channel 11 is like, weird idea. I don't know, Brio would be like, that's not what it is, but it's like, I come up with these like weird ideas and I just, and you know, what's funny. I have that. My husband has it. And also my daughter has it. So like, Oh, we are just going to be a riot to be around with our, like, I can't wait to see how that develops in her. So I'm always here for a metaphor. I think they're one of the best learning tools. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.